Okay, welcome to episode 93 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. Tonight we have the return of one half of an art collective, a comic creator, a podcaster and more. Yes, this is the podcast where North meets South. It's Damien Edwardson. You've started again. (laughs) You've started with the the hate on the North again. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's unnecessary. We uh, we did have a conversation off mic about um, how I actually had sex with a famous woman. But uh, we won't be repeating that. We won't repeat because um, I'm saving it for me memoirs. Uh, <laughs> well, let's I think... just say I, I do remember those episodes when Doc Cotton walks a bit funny. So yeah. you know, <laughs> she was a beast. Your memoirs. You mean the uh, the bank? I believe is the phrase. How are you, Chuck? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, Sam. Mate, it's about three thousand degrees in here. Um, oh, is it? Well, I've got my pants on, so don't worry. There's no need. If anybody's listening, I don't want them having a bit of an off flush, thinking I've got no kets on. But yeah, <laughs> if it gets hot, just put just pull one out the side. That's what I do. Just air one at a time. It does help. Yeah, but then you're left with a sweaty other side, then, aren't you? Yeah. And that's that's it's not never an altogether good. bad thing. Yeah. No, that's true. <clears throat> so but yeah, I'm... we're good. Hey. I was saying yeah, we're good. All good. good. Um, you know, just uh, muddling on. Muddling on, keeping ourselves safe and well. I was thinking your profile picture on Skype is you wrestling your wife. Is it? Yeah. She, she got me an headlock. <laughs> Actually, hey, that's Big Daddy and Giant Ace. That's from Wembley in 1981, that. Kendo Nagasaki. <laughs> he came a cropper, didn't he? That's a bit, uh, that's a bit problematic. <laughs> Kendo Nagasaki, wasn't it? Oh, Kendall, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. Interesting. So, Slightly, I think. I told you that H's best mate's dad was the amazing Kung Fu, didn't I? I oh, no. Was... Yeah, my childhood wrestling hero, actually. Oh, I must look him up. Have a look on mm. YouTube tomorrow. He's a good lad. Oh, he's nice good one. Lad. Drinks like a beast as well. <clears throat> I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you chosen for us to read and discuss, Mr. Uh, Mister D? Well, I've gone back to something that um, I must confess I'd not read, even though I, I, I genuinely have affection for it, I'd not read it for donkey's years. Yeah. And it is the magnificent, and a moment in, in modern comics history as well, as we'll probably discuss, Yeah. Violent Cases by Neil Gaiman <clears throat> and Dave McKean. A graphic novella, it says on the cover. It is. 44 pages, I think. Yeah, it's not writer. that long, is it? I forgot that it was nope. shortish. I, I hadn't read it for years either. And um, what version have you got, dude? I've got the Escape version. Oh, have you? So that's the original one, isn't it? The original black and white, yeah. Um, and I, I have to confess, I've never actually seen the coloured versions. Um, right. I know they made a hasher one of them, didn't they? Yeah. A few years ago. Yeah, this uh, is... I've got the Titan one, the newer one, the 2007 right. one. And it's... um. It's okay. It's not in your face coloured. You know what I mean? It's um, mm. some some grey blues and you know a couple of yellows and stuff like that. It's not really it's not really outrageous in colour. If you you know you showed this to someone, it, there's it's, it may as well be black and white. Um, yeah. I'm. We'll talk about the colour in in a bit. I'm not sure actually you gain much from the colour in it. To be fair. Yeah, I've actually got two versions. I've got this one, and I bought it again years later. Um, the Tundra version that came out. Yeah. And that's got like a more brown. This has got like a sort of greyer cover, and that one's got a more brown focus cover. Okay. Up. 
um, I bought that because I at, at the time I was fascinated with um, the art style, and I was I, I didn't want to ruin this copy because this was like my first copy, and it's still in like sort of nearly mint now. I think looking at it, oh, really nice. good, it? but the other ones just thumb to shit, you know, <laughs> as you do with things like that, isn't it? Yeah, I bought mine a second hand actually, and it's got one of right. those. I'm I suspect it may be an ex library book because it's got one of those sort of plastic covers you get in the library. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's got one yeah. of them, but I don't know it's got nothing in it that looks like it's had a stamp page or anything in it, you know. But and it's in pretty good mm. nick. Yeah, um, it's probably yeah. had one of those plastic things on, didn't it? And you know, yeah, so nobody, the, nobody could see what it, didn't ruin the paper and stuff. Yeah, nobody could see what it said on the spine. So they'd never, no one ever looked, read it, probably. <laughs> probably, yeah. Why do you get a 44-page comic out from the library anyway? You can read it on the bus phone, can't you? You may as well sit there and read it, I That's suppose. Yeah. yeah. So how did it first come to your attention, dude? Well, I mean, again, I didn't buy it when it first came out. I remember I was in art college in Wrexham. Um, this would have been 90... Yeah, about 1991. Okay. And I was really kind of like amazed that Wrexham had a comic shop because where I grew up we didn't have comic shops and stuff and I've talked yeah. about this before yeah. and Wrexham had this little tiny comic shop I can't remember what it was called and it was like about a 15 minute walk from the art college right. down some side streets and back alleys and all this shit and I went in there once and they had like loads of stuff and everything was pretty cheap and I got I got a copy I think it was issue three of Cages in there Okay, and they had this as well and I must admit, I, I, I hadn't been aware of it, you know, because obviously Dave McKean was, yeah, I think he was just about to hit with Arkham Asylum not long after. And Sounds about right, yeah. They went fucking super stellar. And I saw it and I just, the minute I opened it and looked at it, I just thought, I've got to, I've got to have this. You know, I've got to read it, basically. It's just Yeah. In, in fact, it's the third time he's featured on this. It shows it that for a man who's not had a huge amount of work out, you know, compared to some other people. Yeah. He's the third time we featured this in, he featured on here in 93 episodes. So it's pretty impressive because we, mm. if you go back, we did Arkham Asylum with H. Um, yeah. And then we did Black Dog with uh, Ken Reynolds and now this. So he's definitely made an impact on people, I think. I, I think, I mean, we'll come on to it a little bit later on, but I mean, I, I absolutely adore Dave McKean's stuff. And I just think he's one of those fantastic creators. And he's probably. He's probably in a minority as well over here where the guy can quite literally do anything he puts his mind to and do it well. You know, he's not like you yeah. think, mm, that's a bit ropey, that's a bit ropey. I mean, when you look at violent cases, this is probably, I would say it's probably his most, uh, well, one of his most kind of traditional art style yeah. pieces of work that he's done. You know, it's more For him, based on definitely. Yeah. Um, sort of the ability to draw and, and, and capture lightness and all that beautiful stuff that he does. But there's still the elements of collage in there. There's still the elements of, you know, playing with texture and style and, and things. photos. But and, then yeah. you move to things like Mr. Punch, which I reread that recently as well. Okay. And I, said, I, I love that book. And that, that for me is still one of the greatest examples of using, you know, kind of 3D elements within a comic's environment and and building up a, a, a collage and overworking it and stuff like that i yeah. absolutely love that book as well yeah i'm a black um, black dog every time man I, it, it knocks mm, my socks off it's yeah you know, i have to confess i've never read black dog because i can't get hold of it <laughs> oh okay right it's like I've, there's copies on ebay and i'm like um yeah is it really i didn't I realize it's that re-released yeah i suppose it would it came out in preparation for the 
you know, the anniversary of the First World War, didn't he? The Great War. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, it is utterly amazing. It's um, and it like this. It, it this does it slightly where it flits between styles, but that mm. really does it. You know, it it delineates yeah. sections in different styles. Well, this we'll talk about it in a bit. So this came out in 1987. Um, there have been, like you say, there's been various different versions of it, which I'm sure we'll describe. Um, did you want to just give a brief summary of, if you can, what you think happens in it? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously I've done a bit of bit of reading on this just yeah. to make sure that what I take from it is actually <laughs> so I had to do the same. I, it, I had an I had an impression of it that fortune. I'm only kind of fortunate that it is what everyone said had happened because I wasn't actually that sure, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's obviously written by Gaiman, and and I think he said himself that it was one of the most um, kind of personal pieces he'd written. Yeah at that time and and it talks about uh, essentially a child that gets there's an undercurrent of, of kind of mundane violence throughout the whole thing yeah i think and it starts off with the whole story the whole premise is that a child his dad drags him to bed and in the process of doing that he hurts his arm and he has to go and see an osteopath and the osteopath is allegedly used to be the osteopath for one certain al capone yeah of the chicago mob scene and that's kind of like the, should we say, the, the kind of whole core of the story. But what's built around that then is this fantastic kind of principle of the unreliability of memory. Yeah. And because there are things in it where, you know, he, he starts off um, sort of, and the, the narrator at the beginning is, is you know, based on Neil Gaiman. I mean, obviously at the time I didn't know it was based on Neil Gaiman because I didn't yeah. know what he looked like. I think that was, and, um, I think McKean did that. No, I don't think that was written in. I think McKean no. decided to draw Gaiman, I think, from what I've read anyway. Yeah. And the opening line is, you know, um, I would not want you to think that I was a battered child. And then, so you think, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And then, and then he talks about, but the truth, you know, it finished by saying the truth is, is basically the truth. You know, we have to get to the truth. And it it just puts you on this edge straight away. So it's about a child, basically, as I say. Yeah. Gets gets either he's an abused child, but it doesn't doesn't go as far to say he's an abused child. But it says that he's obviously got a, a father who's got a very um, short temper. He's been injured. He goes to see the osteopath, and around that, then he's built this whole childlike sort of memory or mismemory of what the osteopath was like, and you know the stories he told him about working for Al Capone and. About, a little bit about Al Capone himself and how he operated and the relationship between him and his dad, which obviously was quite difficult, the relationship between his mum and his dad, which again seems equally difficult. And it's just, it's it's a real mishmash of memory. Yeah. None of it is reliable. And, the, and he goes to great pains during the story to keep reminding you that maybe it was this, maybe it was that. Maybe you looked and, like this, maybe you didn't. Yeah. yeah do I remember this person I think he might look like? Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a great example of that that I didn't I didn't actually get this when I first read it. Because when I first read it years ago and I was probably about God, what would it be? About nineteen, something right. like that. And I remember thinking, Oh yeah, that's interesting. You know, that they he's changing up what the what the osteopath looks like in different panels, almost mid story. Yeah. He starts off looking like, I think it's uh, Albert Einstein. He does, he really does. And then he, he ends yeah. up looking like, I think, is it William Powell? You know, the, the film? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it just kind of happens. And then 
as I started to reread it and I started to read a couple of things around it being, you know, to do with how memory's unreliable, and I reread it again and I thought, I, I get it now. And we all do that, don't we? Where you know you kind of remember someone a certain way, and then you'll you'll suddenly an event will make you remember them slightly differently, or something will come in that will will change the way you remember an incident or a person. Yeah. And and it's it's a brilliant device that. It's and, a dangerous theory, I think. I think it's it is true, but there is this there is this area of people who especially into two themes as historic abuse and stuff like that, who yeah. have created this aura of imagined memories, you know? Yes. And I, th- it's a strange area to play with. He is, after all, only four. So things happen. I, I'll, I'll let you explain this. So the, the story goes on where this kid goes and sees the chiropractor, doesn't he? And um, at the end of seeing it, he has a sort of difficult relationship with his father. His father's quite a cruel man, I think. I get the, you know, for example, yeah. he shouts at him in the car. He recounts a story, another flashback. Because this is a flashback of a flashback in a way. Um, yeah. Where he has been dumped out of the car. His parents have said, like, you're going to walk home. And he, he gets out of the car and hides in the bushes. And the parents drive off for 10 minutes and then return. And he's still hiding. And he can see the mum going going crazy because she couldn't find her son, you know. So quite a cool, mm. a cruel thing to do to a child, you know. Mm. Certainly not something I'd want to do to my child. It's awful, really, you know. Sort of, and um, has that that you know? It's almost like a PTSD effect on the kid in a way, you know, from the sort yeah. of thing. But um, so he sees this chiropractor, and the chiropractor before he goes says, "I'll see you one more time. I'll see you before I go." And he says to his dad, "Oh, he's, you know, he said to me, he'll see me one more time.'" And um, and he says, "Don't be so ridiculous. We don't need to see him again." And there's something unsettling about not only the chiropractor but the environment where his office is because there's a lot of men sitting outside smoking and stuff yeah and i haven't found it written about anywhere but i do suspect that there's an element of abuse in this there's a theme of abuse that isn't yes it underlies a bit did you get that when you were reading it I did, I did, and again, I probably didn't get it the first time I read it. Yeah, to be honest, because I think I was, I think the first time I, I read this, I was so in awe of the beauty of the artwork and the way it was actually yeah, just totally. put together. Yeah, and and I was a little bit thrown by, and now it makes sense the more you know about Dave McKean and his 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 love of jazz and things like that, and it it is like a jazz yeah record. This, you know, it, it very much changes tone and pitch very quickly and oh, the speed the, and... the use of non sequiturs do you know yeah. what i mean you just suddenly are presented with an image i mean the last image is, is of a hat stand yeah <laughs> you think what what you know it's yeah, like that but, yeah but you're right and when i reread it i got this very i got the same feeling i get when there's two things that make me feel the same way when i read it and makes me feel quite uneasy one is when i watch david lynch films and yep Again, coming back to that thing that if you scratch the surface of every scratch the surface of every day kind of activities and people that seem very normal, there's usually something very dark underneath there. Or all yeah. the time, there's something very, very dark and sinister. Yeah, sleazy, other, dangerous. Yeah, just lying there, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, and the other time I get that feeling is when I um, I look at an Edward Hopper painting, okay. and 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 again, it's that. It's that thing where you're looking at Hopper. I don't know if people are familiar with Hopper. I'm sure you are. But if yeah. you're not, just, just Google Edward Hopper and, and some of his, his kind of paintings. And yeah. what you get is, again, that very kind of lynching view of, you know, there'll be, a, there'll be a house in the middle of a field and then there'll just be a figure in a window. 
and it's it's really unsettling. It makes me feel really, really uneasy. And when I read this, I got the same feeling. Yeah, I got that. I, I think you're right. At the end, I, I kind of got the feeling that maybe the mismemory is the narrator covering up some of the... The assaults um, from the father, the mistreatment by yeah, the father, some yeah. The, yeah. Some of the abuse that took place, if there was... I'm not saying this was Gaiman's real life, but obviously yeah. some of the abuse that, that the character is covering up is he covers up by, you know, using some of these kind of um, foils, such as, you know, the, 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 the extreme violence that we see in the Capone yeah. section... I I actually think relates more to the father than to the story of the osteopath. Because this, um, I'm guessing this came out before the Untouchables, didn't it? Um, the Untouchables it would, movie. It would have been around the same time. It must have been. Must it? Have been, I remember. Was I that about seven as well? I, I'll, I'll have a look while we're talking. But the I remember I watched that recently with my son, uh, the Untouchable. I watched yeah. it a couple of weeks ago, and um, the the baseball baseball bat scene, you know. Oh, yeah. With Capone is the famous, the famous moment, and that is repeated in this, isn't it? So we get a flashback, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, same year. So we get, um, we get a flashback. So I do, I do, I, I don't, I don't like this technique of flashbacks within flashbacks. I think if you've got a flashback, I find it in in you know a lot of mediums, novels, books, comics. Uh, can we get mm. through this, please? I mean, you know, but the you do flashback to the story of the kid and then he the chiropractor tells the story and flashbacks to the 20s when he was with um al capone and al capone baseball batted all the people um well we can talk a little bit about the reasons for that scene because it plays against a game of musical chairs that the child is doing so the child yeah. goes to a party in a posh hotel in uh it's brighton is it brighton i remember somewhere it's portsmouth, portsmouth yeah. yeah and um he goes to this posh hotel and he creeps off because he didn't really enjoy it. And he finds the chiropractor, as promised, he, see, he does see him again, in a bar drinking. And yeah. the chiropractor is a bit pissed because he, he uses unnecessary language. I think he says, oh, Capone died of the Sith and stuff like mm. that, doesn't he, at one point. Um, and they have a conversation. The kid goes back to the party and um, the chiropractor is dragged off by gangsters who have sort of finally found him and take him away. Yeah. Um, With the violent cases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which which obviously is in misremembering the violin case. Yeah, used to keep the Tommy guns, and which again is a, is a brilliant um, device. And I believe not actually Neil Gaiman's. You know? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I understood that. Um, I was I was reading about this, and I think they went to they went across to have because he'd written this as a short story originally. yeah now i've got that's an interesting point if you just lamb just i'll quickly intervene with this point when i read this i thought and all all due respect to the art i thought why isn't this a fucking short story it reads so like a short story yeah that they made into a comic and then i find out of course it was written as a short story initially wasn't it it was i can't remember the name of it. i've got it written down somewhere i'll find it in a second but yeah was, um um Written as a prose piece, um, Land of the Giants, it was originally it. called, which just sounds yeah. a bit ridiculous. Gaiman had written it to take to the Milford Writers Workshop and get it critiqued. Writer Gary Kilworth, who's one of the people who critiqued it, suggested the, the, the name Violent Cases would be better. There you go. Yeah. And again, Land of the Giants makes sense because the the, the view of the child and some of the panels, the way they're written, his dad is, is depicted as this big hulking, yeah. like, you know, almost like, I think there's a line in there about fee five fo form almost in there where you get the idea that you know he, to this child his dad is a 
big giant of a man. Yeah, and the magician who turns oh. up later is is yeah. is basically Sinkevich's kingpin, isn't he? In a way, he looks a bit yeah. like him. Yeah. yeah. Um, where did you first come across Gaiman? Uh, it was probably with this, actually. I'm yeah. just thinking, would it have been with this, or would it have been... I suppose maybe the prog, Sandman? but when you weren't aware of it. Or... No, they, this this came... Sandman came after this, because this was yeah. used as almost a calling card to get into Vertigo for him and McKean, wasn't it? I, think, I just um... meant from, from my perspective. Oh, sorry, so, man. Sorry, yeah. I yeah, mean, obviously, yeah. The, the big thing with this story, and the reason I, I alluded to it being a moment in comics history, is this was basically when... Gaming and McKean a first worked together. Yeah, and B it was McKean's first comic, and it may even have been Gaming's first. Like I think he'd done graphic novel. I think McKean had McKean done a Mister X fill in, a couple of pages, I think. Right. Um, and know, Gaiman had done. Gaiman, he was writing a book about Duran Duran, wasn't he? <laughs> That's right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the um, they met. So the story goes that they. I don't, I've never I've read quite a few accounts of this now, and I've never to this point found out what the actual place was. But it's described as they met at a telephone sales company who were planning to launch a comics anthology. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure what I've never found anywhere that says what the company is. And bear in mind, it was probably what 1986, maybe even earlier. Um, yeah. It wouldn't have been Carphone Warehouse because there's no mobile phones at the time, so I don't know what it would have been. You know, it's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah. It, well, when you read. Um... Neil Gaiman. I found an essay Neil Gaiman wrote about just working with Dave McKean. And oh, okay. he was saying that I was 26 when I first met Dave McKean. I was working. I was a working journalist who wanted to write comics. Yeah. He was 23 in the last year of art college, and he wanted to draw comics. And we met in the offices of a telephone sales company. So it was a telesales place. Ah, oh, right. Okay, I've read it wrong as telephone sales. <laughs> yeah. Be, be literal, Esmond. Yeah. Try your best. But, yeah. But it's like, again, though, you know, and then there was a whole misstart with getting it printed and all the rest of it. But yeah. it, it's a true, when you think about what they've gone on to create, both individually and collectively, and I have always thought that they work best together. You know, I, yeah. I, I really do. It's an incredible moment in time, isn't it? The, yeah. You know, and when you you also build in the fact that Dave McKean was still in art college when he did this. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? I didn't know that because I've always had this vision that, I don't know why, that Dave McKean was a lot older than he is. And probably because his art has always been so accomplished. Yeah. You know, I've always thought, oh, this is a guy who's obviously put 30, 40 years of grafting before he's got to this point. And it's like, yeah, he's not, has he? You know, I was <laughs> yeah. listening to a podcast this morning and being interviewed and he was talking about it and saying, you know, he did like four years at art college. And for the first two, he just fought against everything they wanted to do. Because he's like, well, just leave me alone. I want to do my own thing. <laughs> he said, then the final two, I kind of thought, well, maybe they've got a point, and I've just knuckled down, and he learned as much as he could. And you're thinking, Jesus, you know, he'd have been like early twenties, and he's he's producing stuff of this caliber. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And when you think about it, there's, I mean, it's not like now when every, you know, often not every, but often an ape style will be comparable to a previous art style. There wasn't that yeah. much like him. You know, you had John J. Muth, you had Sinkevich, and mm. you had a few others, but there wasn't that many people who were doing this sort of thing. Um, and he 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 really does change his style as he goes through his career, doesn't he? Um, yes, and that's the other thing I love about him as well. I, I absolutely, I really admire the fact that, you know, so he, he becomes famous for Arkham, 
um, yeah. love it or hate it, because it seems that people generally dislike it these days for <laughs> themes and stuff. But I still, as a bodywork, I still think it's a tremendous. It's one of those reevaluation ones, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's a bit a bit hit and miss. But actually, when you look at the style he did on that, the style he did on this, the style he does on Mr. Punch, the style, and, and even now, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I've just been notified that my copy of Raptor is. Oh, right. Back. So this is the one he's Can't been talking wait. about. I think, I think I follow him on, is it Facebook or something? Yeah. He's been talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a book plate edition coming from Gosh. I'm quite excited about. Oh, um, really? Okay. So bloody hell, what a year this has been, eh? Oh. We've got Barry Windsor Smith returning and Dave McKean. Oh, I know. I know, and I've, I'm, I'm just looking at monsters now. Actually, and I've not read it yet. I've had it. I, I ordered it's a long it, read, um, man. Yeah, it's pre, good. I mean, it's yeah. a signed copy, and I got it. I ordered it through Forbidden Planet, and I'm not oh, touched nice. it yet because, like you were saying the other day, you know, like there was a thing when everyone got it and everyone had to read it immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, within an hour, they were like, "Oh, that was brilliant." I'm thinking it's 33 years of work that. I I purposely took expect and take your time over it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm going to devour that when I read it. Yeah. I'm not just going to flick through it. I'm I'm going to make a special time to read it i'm sorry digress a little bit but <laughs> the thing about mckean is that he's so brilliant at, at adapting his style and i was i was, as I said, I was listening to this interview with him and he's talking about you know his style and they, they start with the question of what's your favorite medium and he kind of said i don't really have one he said i know that sounds strange he said but it will be whatever is gonna fit the story and the narrative of what i'm trying to okay. do that'll become my favorite medium whilst i'm doing it and then I'll I'll go to something else. And if he needs to build, you know, some kind of uh, props as he does and do collage and, and stuff like that, he will. And if it's pure pen and ink or drawing or paint, he'll do that. Yeah. And I thought, I, he's just he's just got that ability, hasn't he, to... He's like, one of these sort of, you know, if he was anything. in the theatre, he'd be a triple threat, and he? Because he, he, he makes movies. Um, he does sort of these strange eclectic musical numbers doesn't he and almost yeah. like a symphony to explain a comic or a book sometimes and yeah i've i have sat through one i mean i must confess i do i do enjoy his uh you know his his paper-based works more than anything. <laughs> yeah 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 um, although i do i do also see that um there's a lot of Jan Schwankmeyer in his work as well. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. He was a kind of, uh, he did a lot of stop animation, a lot of, like surrealist stop animation. Oh, okay. And it's very, very similar. I mean, you can you can draw a line between what the guy did, Jan Schwankmeyer, and what Dave McKean does with he, when he does similar puppet builds and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's very similar in tone, in style, uh, and everything else. And he, he freely admits that he was influenced by him. You know, I mean, he's not, again, he's not one of those people that, tries to claim he's completely unique even though in a lot of ways he is yeah he, he's just fucking brilliant at whatever he does in in a, in a visual field yeah um and the fact that he changes his style i love that you know because as much as that i love artists who have a distinct style and you can go oh that's a you know that's a kirby and that's a esquire and things like that i also really admire people that have got the balls to change it up yeah. And, and do something completely to challenge different. themselves, yeah, yeah. And, and a little bit in a bit of a different way than some other artists do. And I, I think, but if someone puts a page down in front of me, I can look at it and I there's a e certain energy to it that you realise it's his somehow. Yeah, you know, we went we went to um, I had a mate. Unfortunately, he died quite young, and right. he moved up to Carlisle. And we used to go and see him a little bit. Yeah, and um, he said, "Oh, you must go to the Tully Museum, and it's the history." I don't know if you've ever been to the Tully Museum, no. in Carlisle. I don't but go north of Birmingham, you know that. Yeah, well, of course, yeah, but they wouldn't <laughs> let you up there, to be honest. Um, be riddled, aren't you? Yeah, but, it's awful. You know, 
and it's it's this fantastic museum and it talks about the history of the reavers because it's on the border between scotland and england okay there was the reavers that used to come down from scotland and basically raid the english and stuff and i hope i've got that the right way around otherwise i'll be getting fucking murdered um <laughs> and he did this whole piece and we walked in me and h walking around this museum and it's a fascinating thing and there was like a, an interactive display and like these massive paintings and then these like sort of animations that, that would show you about the history and we're, we're looking at it and we're going that looks like dave mckean oh wow you know okay. the, the way it was done it was just it, it, you could not mistake it and I thought, and me and H were going, how did Dave McKean look? Someone rips off. So anyway, we, we called one of the women in the museum and said, excuse me, do you know who did the work? And she went, I'm not really sure. She said he was here last week. And we're like, fucking hell. She said, we've only just installed all this stuff. And we're like, all right. And she asked another one. She said, oh, yeah, um, it Dave someone. Oh, <laughs> wow, going, okay. Dave McKean. And she went, that's the guy, yeah. Very, guy with the beard, very nice guy. And I'm like, yeah. Man, and we're in a bubble, aren't we, in comics? We we don't we, sometimes this sort of thing happens, and we don't perhaps realise yeah. it unless it's on fucking bleeding cool or something, you know. But yeah. I, I don't know if it's still there. I presume it is. But if you go to the Tully Museum, there's a fantastic exhibition uh, okay. about the history of the Reavers that Dave McKean did. He literally, I think, did everything in it. I think he probably did the music. He did, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That rings it's true. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. brilliant. And that must have been about that must have been about god thirty years ago, twenty twenty odd years ago. Oh, okay. That, that did that. Probably about 25 years ago, actually thinking about it. Yeah. But yeah, and again, it just shows that 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 ability to adapt, and then you you then spot things like you know music music covers, CD covers, and stuff, and yeah. you think that's Dave McKean. Adverts, you go, that's that looks like Dave McKean. <laughs> Movie posters, and everywhere, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like shit in the field at one point. <laughs> the um, if you if you do go back to the episode we did with H and the episode I did with um, Ken about black dog you you we do go through quite a lot through his history we'll probably discuss his art and some of the themes in this as opposed to sort of deep dive on him however yeah, however this is the first time we've done a book which neil gaiman has written um so just a is few really? yeah the um i'm not a fan <laughs> no i'm not a huge fan of neil i've got to tell you i um i do have certain issues with him i think that masterclass thing that i kept seeing an advert for on um, Instagram, really got up my ass, you know. Yeah, um, I know. So I thought it was a joke at first. Yeah, to be uh, doing a rewrite is like a squirrel eating a Twix. You know, it's all this sort of shit. <laughs> yeah, and go to his. For anyone listening, go if you have never heard him talk, go to his um, uh, Wikipedia page, and there's an audio file on there of him talking, and it will make your ass clench. And it will also, you can drive um, a couple of tanks through each word because he takes so long to say anything. (laughs) He was on an episode of Frontline on Radio 4, which I used to listen to before it annoyed me too much. And um, the woman actually told him to hurry up at one point. Wow. Um, But there you go. So Neil Neil Gaiman, Neil Richard McKinnon Gaiman, born the 10th of November 1916, Porchester in Hampshire. Obviously famous for Sandman, Neverwhere, American Gods, Coraline, Stardust, and Good Omens, co-creator. Um, he is currently married to singer-songwriter Amanda Palmer, I believe. Um, yeah. It's well, according to his Wikipedia page. And when he was five years old, his parents moved to East Grinstead. Do you know why they moved to East Grinstead? Uh, no. The, um, because they wanted to study Dianetics at the Scientology Centre. Are oh, you joking? He was actually brought up as a Scientologist, something he doesn't really mention much of. Really? Um, in, I don't think in a big, big S kind of way for Scientology. 
Um, his sister, I think, works, from what I've read, works at the Scientology Centre in LA, believe it or not. Um, he's, um, as far as I know, not currently a Scientologist. In fact, he's um, on record as saying about the existence of God is it doesn't really matter to me, I believe is the phrase. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Is one of his big influences. Is, well, they're, and they're the usual Michael Moorcock, Alan Moore, you know, the people that you could probably read into being his influences if, you know, if you read his stuff. He's yeah. a guy called Roger Zelazny, um, who is a science fiction writer who he says has influenced him the most. I'm a fan of Zelazny's science fiction writing. He's a he's a good he's a good intelligent writer. He started as a journalist writing reviews for the British Fantasy Society. His first short story was called Feather Quest in Imagine magazine in nineteen eighty four. And like you say, man, his first book was on the marvellous pop group Duran Duran. <laughs> um he also wrote for Knave under pseudonyms. Remember Knave? No. The porn magazine. You never remember that? Oh god I do, yeah, sorry. I was, I was <laughs> well I'm being Holston, so I'm sure I must have found that in some bushes somewhere when I was yeah. younger. Knave was always a little bit a little bit classier than, you know, Fiesta or Razzle Reader's Wives, wasn't it? You know. Um <laughs> He also wrote a Babylon 5 script. And there's a race... Oh, I think he might have written two, actually. <laughs> He's, there's a race in it called The Game, who are obviously named after Gaiman. There right. you go. Um, he has had a couple of scandals, you know, or, or let's dramas, let's call it. He, I think he got caught out during COVID, didn't he, travelling at one point, and he had to apologise for that. There was obviously the thing, the um, the character that he wrote for Spawn. Is it Angela? Is that the character? Yep. Yeah. There was um, something of a drama around that yes. as well. And I think it was an ongoing litigation type thing that went on and then returned again, I think, when there's something to do with it. Was it uh, one version of Spawn was a, was a character that he wrote? Um, he's a, he actually, that actually happened to him. So the, the bit that you, you spoke about there where the, the father mm. hurts his son pulling him up the stairs, that actually happened to him. So that bit is based on truth. And... Mm. Um, it was McKean's choice to draw Gaiman. So Gaiman appears throughout it. As he appears in the first, is it three or four panels? I think in, in when we say panels, they are images split up with panel borders often. They're not perhaps as sequential as you might imagine in an average comic. Yeah. So he appears in he appears in, you know, right at the start of the book and throughout, um, as it as a sort of narrator character. And it's yeah. clearly Gaiman and, and McKean says he based it on Gaiman um in it. So that's the interesting facts about Mr. Gaiman. Um, if you go and listen to him, you can listen to him talk and it'll help you sleep. There you go. So the... I've got to say, though, go, go in, just just jumping back to yeah. um, violent cases. So I've not read a lot of Gaiman, I must admit. I mean, I've, I've obviously read this. I've read a lot, fair bits of the stuff that he's done with McKean and Signal to Noise is another thing that I, I genuinely yeah. do like. I think it's a tremendous piece of work. Um, and obviously Sandman, you know, I, I read okay. Sandman because yeah. I just enjoyed Sandman. And although yeah. it got a little bit, you know, confusing at times, I must admit, if I, even when I read it now, because I tried rereading it the other, the other month, actually, you know, yeah. I thought, I still don't understand what's going on sometimes. Yeah, I've but read I it. Enjoy. I mean, I've read it and um, it's 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 a good series. But I think of there's that little group of writers, aren't there, who were kind of the British... You know, the British big names. You've got Alan Moore. Not even British, really. I suppose you've got Alan Moore, Frank Miller, Grant Morrison, Garth Ennis, Warren Ellis, um, and Neil Gaiman. And I, I've never really put Neil Gaiman with them. No. I. He's... I think he's one of these guys who spreads his writing across so many places. You know, movies, books, comics, audio plays, yeah. journalism, 
short stories. You know, it's all over the place. I don't really classify him anymore as a comics writer, I suppose. No, and I think you're right there. And I think yeah. most people, if you were to say to them, who, who didn't come from the comics kind of community, and you would say Neil Gaiman, they'd probably go, didn't he write... American know? Gods and or it, something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd either be something to do with TV or it'd be something to do with potentially, you know, prose rather than, you know, comic books and graphic novels. And I think a lot of people would be quite surprised by that because you're right. He's not, I feel like he's kind of, he stepped in and out of comics now and then, you know, and, and out of the medium yeah. now and then. Which is fine because you know he's obviously yeah you're allowed to do that man. It's no rules. To do yeah. That. Yeah, Sometimes it helps. It helps a bit of creativity, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know some of the other names that you, you talked about, you know, you would you would know them as comics artists. Alan Moore, you know, you wouldn't think of Alan Moore and go, has he written? Um, has he written some films? Is that where you know people know yeah. who he is and they know what he's done, and it's because the, his, his, the body of his life's work has been, you know, apart from magic, obviously, has um, <laughs> been comics and, and yeah. It's strange, isn't it? But you're right, gaming is almost like that kind of... He's slightly off... If there was a group photograph of, of those kind of creators, he would slightly be off to the side, I think. Yeah. He'd be in the picture, but there'd be a, there'd be a bit of a gap between them. Yeah, and of that right, era, really definitely. Good, yeah, I think good so. Analogy, yeah, he's, um, he also says that the, the story came from a fever dream he had when he had the flu once. Yes. Um, it's interesting. Which, which again, kind of does... I mean, I don't know how much is bullshit and how much is true, but... <laughs> it does read a little bit like a fever dream. Yeah. And and again, we, we talked a bit before, and I don't want to give too much away because people do want to read this, because I'd recommend if you've not read it, you read it. Because it is, a, I mean, even if it's just for the, the visual delight of seeing the styles yeah, and the starts of some of the collage elements that, that McKean builds well, in. The pages are look, inspirationally good. Yeah, they really oh, are, aren't they? Brilliant. Yeah. But it does read like a bit of a fever dream at times. And the, the bit, as I say, when they've got the, um, where Capone has the, the guys strapped to the chair, and the art style changes yeah. and the tone of the book changes. That is very much like one of those dreams that you get when you're unwell and you, you know, you find yourself in a situation where you can't, you don't feel you can escape and, and it, it's all very hot and tight. And that's the feeling I still got when I read those, those kind of pages. Yeah. I, I was finding myself like, you know, maybe it's my age. Maybe I'm, I'm, you know, sort of at that age. But I start getting a bit of a bit of a sweat on reading it. Yeah, you know I what you. I mean? Yeah. Because I found I was getting really kind of anxious. And and again, that would make sense if he has built that in. But then again, how much of it would be the way that McKean handled the script? Because I know he gave uh, McKean apparently. I mean, he says himself that he gave him sort of just the ability to cut and change wherever he wanted. Right. And. A lot of it as well, I think the strength of the book lies in the lettering, which is yeah. like a masterclass of lettering. It's a really interesting technique of lettering because it changes, doesn't it? Depending yeah. on who and where and what happens and who's saying it, it the lettering yeah. has different, very often just very subtle little moments of change. But yeah, it's, it's certainly not traditional. I mean, there's a lot of square boxes, you know, it's not, yeah. there's a lot of overlaying um panels and crisscrossing panels and stuff like that and there's actually very little direct speech in it when you look yeah. at it it's mostly narration isn't it yeah yeah and and again it's there's a lot of repetition in there as well about you know alluding to the fact that this may be true it may not be true yeah and that theme comes through in mr punch as well okay. which is again another one that's about kind of you know an unreliable memory and stuff and a child not not quite being sure whether or not 
you know what what he thought was his uncle was his uncle and what happened and all that sort of stuff yeah and it's it's a common theme but yeah there's just something about the whole mix of like i say the juxtaposition of the, the unusual layout style the art style jumping around the the narrative style that, that keeps reminding you that potentially this might not be what happened, but this is how I remember it at the moment. And then when you go back to it, because it repeats scenes as well, yeah. it's slightly different. And and I just, I know you were saying before you don't like the flashback within a flashback thing, but I, I kind of didn't read it that way, strangely. Okay. I, I read it, as I say, more, more of a kind of like um, stream of consciousness than a flashback where, you know, and again, in a fever dream, you, you have these things where, you know, sometimes your mind just races from image to image or, or you know, incident to incident, thing to thing, and you, you can't control it and you can't stop it. But yet it kind of all forms a bigger narrative. But even though you're thinking, what the fuck is going on after that? And it, it, I get that sense from it again. And again, it could just be me projecting, you know, trying to be a bit wanky about it. But that's genuinely what I get from this, is this anxiousness that... yeah. I can never quite really understand what's going on, as in, is the kid, you know, subject of yeah, uh, the, beating and abuse, or is he not? Or I mean, I, it's, know, it's a weird one, isn't it? I come from a background of, you know, working within child protection mm. and stuff, and I can't help but read into it that this old old man is an abuser. Mm. I just, it just, I haven't got it in me. And I remember reading, when I first read this, I remember being... Because I'd come from reading South Buscema comics, you know, mostly. We all had, haven't yeah. we, you know. And um, I remember what I, I actually almost find it shocking is the change. The change in... Because a, a lot of this book play, plays out in the faces of the characters. Um, yeah. Whether it be in, in complete and utter shadow, you know, in, in almost an abstract form, to caricatured people. When he goes into the basement and he sees all the blokes sitting around drinking wine, you know, there's... There's a punch esque quality to the people in that, you know. It's yeah. almost a, they're almost like characters out of a Giles cartoon, and yeah. then immediately on the next page, you get a very very realistic photo reference drawing of Neil Gaiman and his father. And his father, there's no way that's not taken from a photograph, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. It's so I mean, it's not traced or anything, but it has that blunt, in your face reality of just yeah. being a face. And then we yeah. go back to, um, like you say, like he looks like Albert Einstein, doesn't he? The chiropractor at the start. Yeah. We go back yeah. to, to him, and he he actually changes from being abstract to, to cartoony to to very realistic within a page sometimes. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. and he blends his face into the background, into the other images, and there's, you know, it, some pages have a lack of panel borders, and, you know, and then I remember just reading this, and then there's a shot at one point. I, th- I can't remember who this is now, but there's. I remember reading when I first read this, and there's a dude with like the most ridiculous top hat on. Yeah. Do you know the one I'm looking at? It's, it's, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And that looks like something out of an Alice in Wonderland book. Yeah. And so, again, it's got that that those elements where just behind that panel is where he starts to introduce elements of the collage work that yeah, you yeah. become more famous for. Yeah. But even at the time when he wasn't famous for that. It just doesn't look. It, it's just so well done, yeah. and because everything else is so strange, it doesn't look odd. Yeah. You know, if you think if you so if you're flicking through like you know issue of Wolverine and all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of old cloth in it. Yeah, 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 and a bit of cloth, or you know, there was a. I mean, obviously the the page that you're alluding to before with the the guys in the basement, and I get a real sense of like almost like the French 
impressionist yeah. with, with the way that the, the angle of the table and stuff. You know, it's, it's harking back to that kind of classical art style yeah. of challenging the viewer, which is what obviously they did at the time. And, and the great shock. And it, it just, the whole thing just is incredibly strange. You're right, man. But it Jazz is the nearest thing. I think you're absolutely you think right. Of a there. child's mind, yeah. things look like that, don't they? Yeah. Things look really fucking odd, but yet you accept it because. You do because you're a child, and if you're remembering things that you've you've seen as a child, and and you're remembering things through the, yeah. through the mind of what you saw as a child, again, nothing is is odd. And Everything a, is kind of yeah. you know, acceptable. There's a parallel to be made between the the memory of a child, which is physical memory, isn't it? It's visual yeah. memory um, to an artist who, you know, we hear these things from these studies that an artist has a a visual memory, you know. And that's what comes across here because through the eclectic style in it. But the also you get this very iconic gangster that's straight out of a you know a thirties forties gangster movie from Hollywood as well at one point, you know, or an Alan Dillon or something like that. You know, there's that look to yeah. his face, isn't there? You know, the whole book is now is, is God, I can't even say it is a noir book, isn't it? Yeah, it really you is, know, isn't if, it? If you look yeah. at it. I mean, the fact that maybe I've got the black and white version, so I've never seen the colorized version, if it's any different, but it, it feels like a noir movie, you know, yeah. and it's the tone of it, and obviously uses the grey washes and stuff over the, the pencils a lot of the time, yeah. and then the inks, but it, it has that sense of an old gangster film, which obviously fits perfectly with the whole yeah. Capone and the osteopath side, yeah. but even if... with the modern elements thrown in there, it still has that kind of that feel that kind of sinister creep uh, i'd love I'd to see the it. script for this i'd love to see oh. how it was broken down in a script and how much yeah. freewheeling mckean does because there's no way that i can't imagine that these pages are described you know i read somewhere and i either read or i heard it on a podcast that basically just it was a straight script and the, the idea was that McKean could take lines out. He could do pretty much right. whatever he wanted with it. And, I mean, could you imagine Gaiman doing that now? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he probably would be Dave McKean, but you may imagine if he came to, like, me and said, right, you can do this book. And I said, do you mind if I just change? I'd probably get hung, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. sued. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but then again, if you think about the context of, you know, he knew because he says that when he saw McKean's work, he was like, I've got to work with this guy. And they hit it off. And I think he knew I can trust this guy. And at that yeah. age, if, if Neil Gaiman wants to break into comics like he did, and this was what broke them into comics, you know, this is yeah. why he, he openly says if they hadn't have done violent cases, there would be no Sandman. Oh, yeah. I think they used this as a calling card when they went and it yeah. wasn't, was it Shelley Bond? I can't remember who it was now. Karen Berger, I think. They went they and saw, saw Karen Berger, yeah. And, and, and she gave him Black Orchid off the back of this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, but so you, I could believe that maybe you just gave him, like, you know, a, a sort of carte blanche approach and said, look, just do what you feel is right, because Jesus, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think you could have described that in a script. There was yeah, no way. Yeah, that's why I'm curious about how much yeah. of it is described. Th to be fair, it's worth um, inserting here that the, um, once again, all roads lead back to Paul Gravette, because it's called Paul Gravette who was doing mm. um, Escape Magazine before he sold it to, I think, Titan, was it? I can't remember. But the... Um, it put, they went to Paul Gourette to do something for Escape magazine, Absolutely, and yeah. um, he, he offered them a five-page story, and they came back with a forty-page story, and he just said yes straight away. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, it's you know a lot of a lot of this stuff as we hear a lot of the time. You know, Paul's still about kicking and doing stuff now. I think he does. He, he does deserve a bit of a tip of the hat to this. Can Absolutely. I just mention? We're going to go into themes in a sec, Dames. But there's a couple of moments I wanted to mention to you. First is um, the repeated image of the of the father in the car looking down at his son. Oh. And I remember I remember seeing that, and it was a style I don't think I'd seen much of beforehand. And mm. I find it visually. Um, I, I was torn by it i was um in two minds about it because i found it visually interesting but i also in my head i had i could hear you know little you know joe sinnott fan jack kirby fan saying that's just cheating do you know what i mean there's a bit yeah. there's a little bit yeah. of that because it's very photo reference i'm sure you used models for that i'm guessing yeah and there's only slight changes but this is something that is so um everywhere at the moment you know we're we're seeing it in stuff like mr miracle we're seeing it all over the place this repeated image style yeah um yeah. they have right really influential isn't it it is and and again you know when you think about this was 87 so yeah it was at the time a bit like going you know i'm sorry to sort of try and sound like i know what i'm talking about but no, no, it do. was a bit like you know the image of the guys sat at the check checkered table having a drink yeah. in the cellar that Again, if that is a throwback to that earlier art style that challenged people, this mm. is the same, you know, mm. because this again, it, like you said, the repeated panel, and they are slightly different, but it is a repeated panel. Yeah, is the kind of thing that you know you would you would divide opinion on, and yeah. you would get people going, "Well, anyone can fucking do that," you know, the usual thing people yeah. do. And it's like, go on, then. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, but, Mitch Gerrard become, uses it all the time these days. You know, yeah, Tom it's King. become a shorthand now, hasn't it? And, yeah. it's a, and when used correctly, it's an incredibly effective storytelling kind of technique isn't it yeah you know how many times have we seen a wonderful nine panel page that's been essentially the same nine panels apart from the last <laughs> yeah. one where there's been a slight i'm fucking twist. sick of the nine panel page i've got to tell you well, moment, yeah yeah it's everywhere um but, but it, do you know what i mean though that whole principle of the repeated image can be used to real force and that i mean the fact that that it gives a real I timing very, to things you know oh, done well yeah and with a kid looking up at the father when you know a journey home it feels like it takes a year yeah yeah it's, yeah and there's a threat to that did you get a threat to that as well yeah, oh yeah but yeah it, i don't know because it's funny this because like my dad had a short temper i mean never never hit us or anything like that yeah um but he had a very very short temper and i can remember sitting in what would have been that seat with my dad driving yeah and i'd done something to piss him off and he <laughs> would give me that look he'd be talking at me as he's driving, you know, and yeah. he'd be looking and get, and it really brought that home to me. I can remember it was only on a few occasions that maybe I'd done something or I'd annoyed him, but it was that implied, not threat, I suppose, but there was just this, I knew that. Yeah, I he was, held that authority, didn't he? He yeah. was on a line. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I was at the line and I wasn't going to cross the line. <laughs> and it, it, it brought that back. And it is a very, very powerful Imaging, you know, the number of panels where the, you know, the angle is from like, you know, it's a low angle. So you, you kind of feel small looking at, at the, the sort of panel above you. Yeah. And that's used quite a lot. And all of that makes you feel, I think it makes you as a reader feel very, very vulnerable because it makes you feel like a child. It makes you feel small in the story. Yeah. And as though you're looking up and seeing all this stuff. And again, absolutely genius use of of just you know storytelling and and the way to convey that that feeling of of you know like i say 
it's an almost like implied threat, isn't it? Yeah. Everything's a danger, and you're very small and vulnerable. And I, I don't know. I just find the whole thing. The more I've, I've gone back and looked at it for this show, I've just thought, why have I not read this more over the years? Because it's just okay, a yeah. great a, piece of work. There's a concept with um, filming things. I don't know if you know this, but it's it's, it's adopted by um, news and documentary film film um, cameramen sort of thing, where if you film upwards at somebody. So this will happen when they've got a politician that TV company happens to like. They film yeah. upwards towards them because visually the person looking down on them gives them an added authority. Yeah. And when you get a politician who they don't like, suddenly they start getting up high and filming downwards on them because you are yeah. visually looking downwards. And that's what they're doing in this book is they're looking up at dad. You know, yeah. constantly there's that... Um, you know, it could it could be shot in a very different way. I mean, the angle is almost unnaturally low. Yeah, and there's a lot of that goes on within this book. It's really interesting, like that, especially um, with the chiropractor as well and yeah. the magician later on. There's there's a lot of that going on. The second the second one I wanted to bring to your attention is one that initially made me quite pissed off in in a sort of nerd way, you know, fanboy way, and then I'm then I suddenly went, oh, I'm being a twat. This is the reason. And there's this, there's there's an ongoing thread in it where the boy is getting a jacket made. Yeah. So he can go to this fancy party. And we get the revelation of this sort of dirty face kid, really, wearing a bow tie. And um, I went to the tailors for a final fitting. The coat was thick brown check with a brown velvet collar and brown velvet cuffs. I liked it. That jacket doesn't have brown velvet collars. And no. I thought, well, that jacket hasn't got brown velvet collars. Oh, right. They're no. talking about memory again. Yeah. Is it clever? And yeah. It, it is. And, and again, you're right, because it's, it's, it's those little things, isn't it, that you could miss. Yeah. You know, because they are very subtle. There's lots of very subtle little things in here that don't line up with the imagery or don't line up with the with the plot, as it were, in yeah. its loosest sense. But again, you you assume that, that is, that's a misremembrance of, you know, what, what happened or what people look like yeah so yeah you read it and i had the same thought i was thinking mm. but then again i kind of thought well actually yeah it makes sense it would make less sense if he accurately described everything yeah i think yeah um i don't know i just <laughs> Is maybe it, it, it just being, maybe it's just a fuck up and they didn't spot it it could well be just, it could well be <laughs> you know, you know I mean? i've had all these amazing theories about things in the past and i've just gone now nah, it's probably a load of old shit i just stay with keen sat there going shit oh i've got to put the velvet cover on never mind we'll pretend this Let's pretend this. For the 50th yeah, yeah. anniversary, yeah. I'll pull it in. <laughs> yeah. I missed the last... It's like a, a comic I once read about. I missed the last page. And then and the writer was saying, yeah, but stories never end. You know, you're like, oh, fuck off. The you know, it's like mm. that. The, so that's one of the themes, is this mem this issue with memory and how we remember things. And it's it's yeah. a, it's an interesting concept. I think sometimes it has to be has to be walked carefully. But the, the other one that um, really struck me is we get a number of occurrences by the kid and by the chiropractor, where they excuse violence. So yeah. the kid excuses the violence and the threat of violence and the threat of abandonment by his father, and the osteopath says, ah, he used to baseball bat people, but he was all right, really. You know, mm. it goes back to that Monty Python fact about, was it those two East End villains? You see, uh, you know, they were violent, but kind. You know, it's yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> people always in and out of each other's houses with each other's property but they were kind you know it's like that 
But the, and there's, there's a bit of that in it. It's the he's yeah. he is nostalgically reminiscing about the days and almost showing off to a four year old, which I found a slightly strange thing. You know about how he used to you know rub Capone's shoulders just before he would batter people to death. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But again, you know, I think so. This is where I think this is then the older narrator filling in the gaps. Yeah. So I, I don't. I, if I'd have been to see an osteopath and I was four. I wouldn't remember that. No, I wouldn't would remember the conversation. Yeah. You know, I, I probably wouldn't even remember the whole Al Capone thing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't that thick of a kid. I mean, I may have got worse as I got older, but I just, I just think a lot of this is not only the, like, the mismemory of, of the child, but I think because there are gaps in there, it's the experience of the narrator as he's grown up that he's filled these gaps to the point where, you know, if you, if you believe something enough over the years, you grow up believing it. You yeah. actually then, it becomes a fact, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, in your mind, that's what happened. And then you'll meet someone and go, that didn't, that didn't happen. You know, you don't know where you got that from. And I think there's an element of that here where he's, over the years, he's built this kind of, um, maybe because he's returned to this theory of the chiropractor, maybe he's been back to see other chiropractors, maybe he's been back to see the same chiropractor throughout the years. And and I think he's gradually built this whole kind of story around the chiropractor. And it, the other question I've got is, is that almost a, a diversionary tactic that he uses? Because he focuses more on the violence yeah. being centred within the chiropractor's hit history and past than his own. Well, yeah, and, the reality of why he's there. Yeah. yeah. And again, that could be complete nonsense, but that, that's... It's just another theme that I, I got from rereading it. I read it a few times in preparation. For that, and I just thought, I'm just beginning to wonder whether or not he's using the whole Capone thing as essentially just a mask for the, the violence that he saw, yeah, the, they've experienced as a child. It's, yeah. it's an escape in, you know, we've we've seen, well, we've probably seen Gaiman use it, you know, escape into a fantasy world to avoid yeah. the traumas of real life. And in a, in a way... It's not exactly a fantasy world, but it kind of is, isn't it? It's the romantic yeah. version of the gangster, really. Yeah, 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 and yeah, you know, that some horrible things occurred and some horrible things were done to people. But yeah. you're right; it is almost not justified, but it's not given the kind of um, horror that you would expect. You know, it's not treated with that kind of shock and horror. It's almost just as you say, it's made acceptable because that's the way it is. You know, the old phrase, well, that's the way it is. It's like, yeah. it doesn't mean it's right, though. And I, I just I just, I just, just get that sense that, that it's it's covering something up. You yeah. know, it isn't actually the true There's narrative. There's certainly an undertone of that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, and the bit you were pointing out before about, you know, um, with the, the link to, like, the untouchables and stuff and... Maybe there's an element here because there's the, they they reference you know kind of old noir films throughout the the, the artwork. In fact, yeah. there's a scene where there's old old movie posters behind, and yeah. as you said about William Powell, and maybe that's another thing that as the as the narrator has got a, a you know a grown a, an appreciation a love for these types of genre films that maybe that's fed into his mismemory and, and oh, stuff like that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I say, it's one of those books that is so brilliantly open to interpretation that yeah. i think you'd fall into two camps i mean it's funny because i read some reviews about it before i came on so yeah. i just i like reading reviews of things because it's the fucking insane half the time yeah uh, and this but the first review was that was like uh, sort of like two stars going um yeah. not a lot happens in it really <laughs> 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 so I was like, what 
don't make sense not what happens in it and you're like okay the... and it's that kind of i think you'd fall into those two counts where you'd either look at it and go what the fuck is going on here this doesn't make any sense don't like it yeah or you'd 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 actually fall into it and start to weave your own kind of narrative and miss memory into it as well yeah. maybe that's what i'm doing a little bit i don't know yeah it's um it's almost a virus of misremembering you know yeah. yeah i have a lot of that about the ladies in my lives you know um well i'm i mean i say everybody i'm grateful to get some eyes and if i remember to put my bloody pants on in the morning yeah. so do you know what I mean? <laughs> the um uh, just uh, we're, we're almost on time but there's t- there's two other questions one more general and the other one yeah. is something that i felt about it is um i found the ending unconvincing so and this happens if you're not paying attention you miss this but the osteopath they turn up for him and they take him away yeah and it smacked of not mismembering misremembering but of no just too coincidental for me Mm -hmm. i found that him sitting there and the kid happens to see him in this predicted moment of the osteopath is that is also the moment when he happens to be ordering drinks and they come for him but the kid happens to utterly coincidentally be there i found too too much for me i didn't yeah. swallow it yeah um what about you how did you feel about it right so my theory on the ending yeah and it touches to something you said before about whether the uh, the osteopaths up to no good yeah okay. okay and i always interpret the ending where the gangsters come in is where the guy gets nicked by the police. Yeah, I know you say it, man. And, That's a good and, shout. And the yeah. kid isn't there, but he is aware that this happened. He's either heard about it or been told about it or read about it, wherever it may be. And again, he's placing himself in this to, to almost protect himself, potentially, from the fact that, well, if this guy's been done for who knows what, yeah. um, you know, maybe abuse or whatever it may be, that... He doesn't want that to be the police because that could then have some kind of impact on him as the child that went to see this guy. Yeah. And therefore, it's much safer to, to think about it being gangsters coming and taking him away when actually I just had that down as that was the law. Uh, interesting. Yeah, that makes a point. And, and again, I could be completely... Works why he saw the car again because they were the local yeah. police. And it might be like his mum has said, oh, they came and got him in the end, you know, that bloke. Yeah. You know, and he's oh, thinking, oh, been... gangsters. Yeah. It could have been the whole thing of you. You know, you'll know that where they'll talk to people after an event to try and get further information of did anything happen? Do you remember anything? Yeah, you know, it could be all of that kind of stuff that that's how he became aware of what happened. Yeah, but yeah, I always read that as as the guy getting nicked rather than okay. getting carted off by the uh, the gangsters. Interesting, <laughs> and and as part of the same theme, there is a moment in it where the um uh the narrator remembers seeing a bright light um looking up in the sky and seeing a bright light that in, yeah, basically became brighter and brighter and brighter and lit up and the uh, the the sort of the inference is that this was some kind of alien life that and that just completely out of place for me i just like why is that there and i began to wonder whether it, it was a sort of warring war of bs between people like him and morrison alleging that they'd seen aliens in the 80s when it was duraguerre you know um yeah yeah it could be it, it might be and and 
I don't know, because that is a strange couple of pages, though. Yeah, really different, um, isn't it? Yeah. And it ends, I think, I'm just trying to find the page, actually, because I remember it ends with quite an interesting line on that page where he says, um, um, what is it? God, I can't even read it. All I want to give you are the facts, and this is the thing with the star. It really happened. It's not all... It's not as if I've been drinking. Sorry, I couldn't read it because I've got my glasses on. <laughs> um, but, again, I, I don't know whether that's just, again, another example of him trying to say I, some of this is real. Yeah. Because I do remember some of this stuff. And some of this, is, I'm not sure whether it's real. Um, but I prefer to believe I saw an alien, and I will say that's facts, rather than potentially I went to see an osteopath who may or may not have abused me or I may have come from an abused family. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I wondered whether it was a bit of Or a, I'd just been doing something and I had a bit of a whitey. Yeah. 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 Again, it, and it, it could be, couldn't it? But it might be that or it might just be, as you say, he was he was trying to out-impress, you know, somebody else <laughs> yeah. who had alien abductions and anal probes. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. You've got to have an eight pro with you. Yeah, I've got two on you. Yeah. It's one thing I have learned, Tony, over the years. Yeah, I, I uh, have them regularly. Well, I know. I go to the local spa. <laughs> <laughs> Champneys. I go for my well, anal probing. Bolton, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a national sport up there. <laughs> and the final one, man, is it? It harks back a bit to last week's episode with Tom. Is um, Are you drawn to the biographical, to the autobio, do you think? You know, I was listening to that when I was walking. Uh, I thought it was very kind of you to say so online. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, brilliant. I mean, I could listen to Tom and Tom's Dave great, man. Yeah. all day, you know, absolutely brilliant. And, um, and that debate you had about autobiographical versus diary, and I've, 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 if you've not listened to it, then listen to it. It's a brilliant Thanks, conversation man. that Cheers. you both have on that. I genuinely did find that fascinating. But I do like autobiographical stuff, but I'm very much like the two of you were saying, where, you know, it has to have more than the autobiography is telling you a story. So sometimes yeah. you quite enjoy it because people will take liberties, you know, and, and and it's fun. Yeah. And the diary stuff can be a little bit more introspective and sometimes very meaningful and, and dare I say deep and, you know, and you'll get something from it. Yeah. And then there's a hinterland isn't there, between the two where it's like, you know, I got up and I, I thought, Oh, I look fat in the mirror. And then, <laughs> You know, my cat said, no, you look lovely. And I went and had some crisps. That's neither. That's not autobiography. Does it end with you boning? That's not diary. That's just fucking crap. It's just self-indulgent bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like those kind of autobiographical pieces. I do. I'm fascinated by people's lives anyway. Yeah. And I read lots of autobiographies. Yeah, me too, man. There are... There are a few that have been done in the in the comics kind of environment, but I mean, I do tend to read more of the the kind of standard autobiographies. But yeah. when it's done well, I think it's brilliant, and I do like this. And I do, I do. Again, I wasn't aware that this was autobiographical when I first read it because yeah. obviously yeah. nobody knew. You know, um, you could just tell there was something about it that was actually quite real. It felt real. It felt, you know, as though there was it was coming from a place of experience. Yeah. Yeah, generally, I mean, short answer is I do enjoy that kind of work, but as long as it's not about, you know, fucking washing your windows and 
ironing your socks or something. Yeah, went to the shop and I bought a brown loaf and I came home again. Yeah, it's that yeah. sort of thing, then, isn't it? Yeah. They said, do you want it slicing? And I said, no, and they sliced it. And now I want to die. You know, it's all that, isn't it? <laughs> Two nuns in the bar and one said, where's the... Sorry, mate, what did you say? What do you say? There's a, there's a, I'm going to make a note because there's a three-page uh, comic in there, yeah. I think, that yeah. three-series comic. That's... Two nuns in the bath and one said, where's the soap? Now, that's a classic, <laughs> isn't it? You know. <laughs> Good. Well, we uh, we certainly certainly rattled that violent case. Nice one, man. That was good. Hey. The, uh, it's the first one I've done that I haven't liked, but I thought I'm going to still. So that's the, the nature of this as a review show. Please listen yep. to your reviewers. You talk about the good bits and the bad bits, not just the good bits. So that's yep. what we did. That's what you called a review. Good. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Mr. E, Mr. Mr. Damien. What are you up to at the moment, man? So um, I was listening to the Alan. You, you, uh, you had Al, Al, on, our, Al Henderson, our, our co-host from here. You had him on. Um, I was listening to that on the way home. And what, what else you got planned for the podcast at the moment? Um, taking a bit of a break at the moment. Just I'm right. a few weeks off. Um, so I'll be pushing some of the archive stuff. But okay. um, got plenty of people lined up to come on. It's got some got some good guests. Um, I've just got a few deadlines. Okay. That, yeah. And we were talking about this before. I'm, yeah, about, yeah. I'm obsessed with not missing deadlines because, you know, I think it's just inexcusable um so i'm kind of trying to be good and i do the podcast for fun i don't do it you know it's not i don't promise that it's you and me be you and me there's a little that. group of us who do it and i think they're yeah. the podcasts i like where we're not like listen to my podcast listen to my podcast listen to my... <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. You know, watch my youtube channel watch my youtube channel. he's like that and i don't i just despise that man i just hate it i just we both started this our podcast at about the same time, I think, didn't we? It was almost like yeah, almost simultaneous, yeah, I think we did. and um, we just did it because we love comics and we want to talk about them. Really, yeah. You know. And so I don't feel any pressure for that. I mean, it's yeah. not sponsored or anything. Um, yeah. I know you used to be sponsored on here, and <laughs> you know I think you've upset people to the point. I did actually have an ad that I was going to I was going to give to you actually for tonight's show. I'm still waiting for the next uh, the next cliff ad. He's promised me one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I'll I'll send it across to you. Oh, please do. You know, I think it, it'll fit nicely with your show mm. actually. Um, but yeah, so it's just a bit of fun. But I'm taking a bit of a break. But I've got some guests lined up. Got some really interesting guests. I'm trying to just oh, cool. mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm focusing more on kind of a mix of known creators. So we've got a few kind of like known artists that are coming on and writers and stuff. And then we've got a lot of kind of um, the independent creators as well. So you know, I'm going to talk to people like Luke Copsey about um, Never City Creations and stuff. And, okay. You know, things like that. Yeah, Mr. Butcher on recently. a few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's just, I just enjoy listening to it. I've got a couple of guys um, over in the States that run podcasts as well. So I'm going, to, oh, okay. I'm going to talk to them about their podcasts and how they run them and the cultural differences between um, maybe the way we podcast over in the way they podcast over there. And... Yeah, they get big numbers in the states. A lot of that you would be surprised at some of the numbers of their podcasts. I think we're we're small fry compared to them, mind you. Yeah. Comics is comics in America, and it? it's not such a big thing here. Yeah, going to do a couple more based around wrestling as well. So you know, oh, a couple cool. of wrestling ones. So that'll be fun. And again, don't let that put you off because it's not it's not like yeah. you know just that. Really. We we tend to have a good giggle about it. Um, but yeah, I've got quite a few. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get a couple of bigger names but you know it's difficult in it because at the end of the day i mean what, what's my pitch going to be you know listen i do a podcast and that it's really just a conversation and you know it'd be <laughs> yeah. nice if you could come on and you know i mean i've been lucky i've had a couple of, of big biggish names that have come on yeah you know, jason Siler, the american guy he, he, the week 
I think we recorded the week before he he'd got the time cover of you know the man of the year cover where he painted Biden and stuff. So that oh, okay. was quite yeah. time. But oh, was he the I one with the sunglasses? Did he do that one? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, can't remember. Right, to be honest. interesting. But he's, the guy's ridiculous. So yeah, he's he's got um you know he's got stuff in there. But did yeah, have, so did you have Graham hum- Humphreys on as well? Yes, Graham. Oh, yeah. oh, one of my heroes. I mean, I, tra- I do have a bucket list of creators I'd love to talk to. And, and funny enough, Dave McKean's one of them. I'd love yeah, to oh, talk that'd to be him. great, mate. I'd love to hear you talking to him. But I don't think I've got... Graham, uh, Graham as long as I've got a hole in my arse, I don't think I'll ever get a chance to talk to Dave McKean. I met, I met Graham um, at a horror festival I went to with Jason Wilson. He's um, brilliant. And he's the nicest dude, isn't he? He's so approachable. He's, he is. And he's, he's a small guy. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's not, like, huge, but, oh, my God, he's, he, the, the guy's talent is just unbelievable and he's, he's another one of those that he's so happy to talk about process and how he does things oh, and you know there's nothing he's just very open and honest and how he puts out nice so guy, much so. work as well seemingly oh. every blu-ray i buy has got a, a cover yeah. by him on it at the moment yeah, yeah yeah and they're just beautiful as well and he, he he's doing a, if you follow him on twitter as well he, he sort of takes you through his process of his paintings so he'll show you you know from his line work through to his underwash and and it's just like magic. I mean, I write to him and say it's just fucking magic in it. You know, I'm sure he's some kind of magician. It's like it's just <laughs> not. It's not right when you look at it. You know? And you got you got quite a lot of comics work on at the moment. You were saying so you've got a few deadlines looming. So you got yeah, the so the wrestling year, comic. Did you want to mention that one first? Yeah, yeah. So this year I've been doing a lot of work for other people. So I've been yeah. um, collaborating with other writers because we just thought I, I wanted to challenge myself a little bit. And you know, it's like I mean, it's a bit different. I suppose um, I'm, I'm lazy in that sense that I'll go, I'm not drawing a car, so I'll do something that <laughs> doesn't have cars in. I'm not drawing, you know, I'll try and avoid alleyways and street scenes. And <laughs> But when you get a script off someone yeah. and it's in there, it's that's the challenge. So I've really enjoyed it. And I do think it's made me grown a bit as an artist as well. I don't mean that like, oh, I think I'm great. I just mean it's made me do things I wouldn't normally have done. Yeah, yeah I get you. And whether it still looks shit is, is irrelevant. Great, man. It's the fact that yeah, I've, yeah. I've actually done it, you know. Um so I've done. Uh, I did do a strip for the next issue of Future Quake, and unfortunately, oh, good work. obviously, I was working with Dave um, on that one in oh, Letter, but yeah. it happened just before, obviously, Dave's passing, which is such a sad thing. So, I, I mean, I, to be honest with you, it's not important. But I don't know whether that whether they'll bring that issue out or whatever. But it's there if if they do. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, as I say, yeah. that's not important. But that was a great. Um, experience to do that because that was the first time i'd actually done a proper kind of um you know collaboration with a writer and, a, and an editor that was good and then i'm just finishing off a, a strip at the moment to go into an annual that will be out later this year so i don't know if i'm actually allowed to talk about it okay fine not, it's yeah, only an independent you. sort of annual, yeah. but again i don't want to kind of you know yeah they, they've probably obviously got their plan of where they, it needs to be yeah, really, yeah so i get it. that's fine that's, man yeah yeah that's exciting they probably and won't I, do very well out of my uh, regular 135 listeners you know what I mean? so it's <laughs> like a, yeah <laughs> and uh, i did the piece for the dui anthology as well yeah, which is going to print very soon that. i think yeah and and it's funny enough because you know what i i through doing that little piece so it was only a two-pager for the dui but I wanted to bring in some of the kind of almost like a bit of a homage to to Dave McKean. So there's oh, nice. a little tiny bit of collage in there, just a little tiny bit where I've, I've, I've 
and I've never done it before. And I thought, this is, this might oh, Sarah, I love that man. Sarah, Sarah for those okay. for, for those who don't um, know, Sarah Harris is editing it, and I've co-written a strip with her in it, and um, she fucking loves McKean. Yeah, she worships his work. Yeah, and rightly so. He's amazing, it's, but yeah, she'd love that. Yeah, I just did some little bits. You know, I I, I kind of um, I put an overlay as the background and worked over that. Um, okay. Over some old notepaper and stuff. So, you know, scan some stuff in and used it, and 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 it, I think it worked quite well. I'm very proud of that. Actually, I think it's one of the, the. It's very different to what I would normally do. Yeah. And I think when Martin first asked me to do it, I think Sarah was a bit mm, not sure because okay, she thought my style might not suit it, but she seemed quite pleased with what I did. And oh, good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. So. It's all looking lovely. I got. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I got to look at a look at the sort of the intro pages and stuff. I wrote the. The intro to it um mm. i've done something with cumber which which is the thing i, I co-wrote with sarah we basically wrote a story on a whatsapp group and then i typed it out um yeah which is quite amusing and then i've done something as well with daryl so this is my second bit of work with daryl in which will be appearing yeah. in there called fuck a duck which yeah. is uh the name of our story daryl yeah. thorpe's uh it's going to be great i think i think it's it is man great, but, i really do um, as well yeah. I, I, i've seen obviously been privy to what alan yeah, of course. That, yeah, that was a beautiful story. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Martin's story was was beautiful. This is Martin well. Feekins, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hope I did it justice, really. You know. I'm sure you um, did. Sure you did. So there was that, and then I was doing this. Obviously, I've recently finished this twelve-page um, sort of wrestling introduction comic for a, a local wrestling federation up in in Liverpool called TNT Extreme, <laughs> and they they have links to kind of like you know. Um, Georgia wrestling and all these other kind of federations in the states, and, stuff. Okay. and that's going in a wrestle crate actually. So there's going to be a, oh, like a loot crate thing. Yeah, hmm. they they do this thing called wrestle crate, and we were going to because um, we were looking to get it printed for them because they, they obviously you know they came to me and sort of said look you know we want this doing so work through that, but they had no idea to be fair to them how how you create a comic, how you print a comic yeah, or anything, which is fair enough. You know, most people don't. Yeah. So we were going to, you know, I was, I was looking at printing options for them and then they, they contacted me saying, you know, we were looking at maybe 250, something like that, 300. And, and he goes, no, they're going to handle it because they want like 2000. Like, oh, oh, nice. Shit. Yeah. That's good. Numbers, so, isn't it? Bloody hell. Well, they'll probably be 1,999 for sale. So, you know, you'll be all right. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's quite, you know, when you get those kind of numbers, you think, blimey, you know, that's, 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 um, that's idw numbers man yeah <laughs> it is boom numbers isn't it only numbers yeah well oh, yeah. i think these poor buggers that um they pay for this wrestle crate they don't know what they're going to get so <laughs> that'd be great yeah. but no, it that's is, good I'm getting into say, getting it out of the bubble man that's what you need to do yeah no no kind of um i'm not blowing me on trumpet because you know I, I don't dream of doing that but <laughs> I, I worked the same as everything i do i worked as hard as i could to make it as good as i could make it and whether that's as good as what people think it should be is it's also oh, it should be great man i, I tried my best we we, we collaborated on something well collaborated you refused yeah. to take payment and i sent my money to a charity and you did me a pin up and it fucking hell it's good yeah <laughs> it's just brilliant man yeah oh thank you yeah and you did I that you sent me the That's original all. black and white and it's just fucking gorgeous absolutely love it man i'm, I'm gonna get it framed for the office um, yeah, I love the black and white. I must admit, I preferred the black and white to the colour. Um, oh, so and then again, I've been trying to experiment and try different techniques. So that's leading into. Sorry, we were talking before about GGA three. So we're yeah. we're currently working on. H is doing a, a, a project that she's she's in the final stages of just going through the story edits and stuff. She's kind of done it, but we want to go back through and and make sure that it's got the kind of impact okay. that she wants to have because yeah. it's it's one of those. It's a bit. It's a bit like. Um, 
again we were talking about these these autobiographical type stories and it's a bit like that yeah but it, it's got layers to it and it's how do you get the layers so that people may pick up on them without making yeah. it so fucking obvious that it then loses any kind of power. Do you know what I mean? So we're just trying yeah. to work through that at the moment. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, we had Alec Worley yeah. on the podcast on ACP last week talking about you don't need to hit people over the head with stuff. That was great as well. Yeah, he was yeah. good, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a great guest. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah he's going to come back. Yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a lovely guest to have, man. I, I recommend you get in contact with him because yeah. um, he, he loves talking craft and he's one of those blokes who will mess. You think oh, I must message Alec just to make sure he's all right for Sunday. And you check your inbox, and he goes, "Everything all right for Sunday?" You know, which is just brilliant. He's a two thousand AD writer, but you, you don't have to chase him, which is nice. Yeah, he's very natural as well, yeah. which I like. He's just, yeah, he's just a genuinely funny guy. Yeah. So yeah, we're, uh, obviously pre Mortis two, we're still plugging away on. Um, that's, right, that's the pipeline, and then. It'll be uh, GGA3, so the Galaxy yeah. Grappling Alliance 3, which is going to be slightly different to the first two issues. I've, I've got a sense that um, it's weird, the, the wrestling thing, because you do a wrestling comic, and the majority of people who bought it were from the States. Yeah. You know, which yeah, is kind yeah, of okay, yeah. good. Um, but they like what it is. They like the fact that it's, it's you know, a, a bit of, <laughs> I have to be honest, a little bit of plot, a lot of wrestling, a little bit of, plot on a cliffhanger and they like that kind of you know yeah. old school serial thing but i get the sense that um i don't know it could just be me because you know i hate most of the things i do well in fact everything. but i just got a sense that maybe it's lacking a little bit of depth in the characters and so well, the it's still the first one, it's 12 think. issues man what are you gonna do you know what i mean <laughs> you know it's 12 pages sorry what are you gonna do you know it's, yeah. it's coming in it you know yeah who was well, the next one gonna do it was next the... one will be a bit more um, character driven, so it's okay. just going to be slightly less of the wrestling, more about the just try and build a bit of backstory for people because, you know, the last one I did was twenty four pages of just fighting, you know, and out of the twenty four <laughs> pages, probably about two thirds of it was fighting, you know, because yeah, it's a strange thing wrestling because you I find it difficult to just jump from bell rings couple of punches end of fight because it just doesn't seem realistic to me yeah just you need that seem... theater of it and it's like kung fu it's a fight. dance yeah 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 wrestling is a dance isn't it and it's, it's that hero's journey you know of you know you, you know, you're like you're gonna win then oh you're like it's all off then you make it three x structure within a fight isn't it you're within a yeah. yeah 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 and then you can you can subvert that at the end by maybe they don't win you know or maybe they do something that they shouldn't do to win and and it throws the whole kind of piece into a bit more of a quandary. So, you know, I'm trying to just get a bit more, bit more into that. Writing isn't my strong point. Oh, I admit. You need to bring back that. Who's that British wrestling character? Is it Johnny Cougar? I'm trying to. I'm blanking on his name now. Oh, what's his name? I'll send you some pictures later. Yeah, he was old. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was like in. It was in the. Was it in Tiger? I think it was something like that. Right. There's an old, oh, and he's like a, an Indigenous American. Who's now come to? He's a wrestler, and it's a cracking yeah. story. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I think it's like yeah. somebody like Barry Tomlinson was telling me about it or something, and then I got the all, all his annuals, and it's full of them. And I yeah. sort of think, oh, I remember that from a kid when I was a kid. Yeah, oh, good stuff, man. Yeah. Good. But so, yeah, other than that, mate, just, yeah. been, just been, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Luckily, we've got art, so we've been um, slaving yeah. away in the in the studio trying to just make comics because you know we love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll never be millionaires, will we? But we enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a supportive little community in it, in the most part. So yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, you get you know, like every community, and there's there's pockets and there's disagreements. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but 
again, you know, you don't want to be like the fucking Waltons, do you? Do you know what I mean? You exactly. Want to be yeah. I don't uh, want to be a member of a club. You know, that's a, is that old quote, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, fortunately, I mean, H&I, I don't think we'll ever be members of any club, to be honest. I don't think we're... <laughs> we, it's weird because you know, as much as like we we enjoy being part of communities and stuff, you, we always I don't know we, we sort of have this sense that like you're on the other side of the glass a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And people give you the odd wink and nod, but you still kind of may always that. be outside looking at the party. Yeah, never be in a, never be part of the party. That's my great belief in life. You know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to become a part of that big amorphous blog of shit. You know, <laughs> I want to I want to actually have some originality and individualism and I don't, I don't want to copy anyone else's path and i sometimes yeah. think that's the best way to do it but i think it's what so, i said world's full of twats i believe is the phrase i used on your podcast once yeah 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 so i i'm i'm basically um we've got a couple of our own projects i've got another the the second issue of the um dead on arrival which is the wrestling comic i did yeah. for the the other company that's that's next year and they wanted me to do it this year but i've got other things that i've committed to so they've, they've quite kindly move that into into the next year for that um Good stuff man they want, to, they want to do it but yeah again you know if people are listening and they see me working and interested or the ch is working and interested then we're you know yeah, where we're can we find you to... where can we uh Disney. where can we find you and search you out everything is art nine too um cool. website twitter instagram facebook um all art nine too and oh, so art and then the, the numbers nine two yeah uh, no, it's all spelled out. Oh, so spelled R92. There's no numbers in, in Sorry, R92. Sorry, why did I think that? Yeah, I've looked at uh, it numerous times. I think yeah. the logo's A92. Oh, okay, right. So, yeah, N-I-N-T-W-O. R92, no yeah. spaces spelled out. Um, R92.com. And, yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch with any any potential projects, then always happy to always happy to do it and be challenged. So, yeah. But Good stuff, if man. If not, just have a look. Good. Um, if you want to donate to a charity for Mind for mental health and you want to, as part of it, win some amazing 2000 AD Judge Dread and other art, then go to the um, MCBC podcast and you can find the GoFundMe um, for the Mind charity. Eamon's raised well over a grand now. It's going really well. Wow. But there is the, there's like loads of art. Yeah, you can, if you donate, you go into a raffle. And you, um, yeah. you stand the chance of winning that. It's brilliant. Really good stuff. I, w- I was on that like a tramp on a kipper. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah. And I just just to say, not not much to interfere, but Eamon's such a brilliant guy, isn't he? Top you know, bloke. The, the, yeah. The fundraising he does, and yeah, and he's always at, he's always at something like that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he sent me another postcard today, which always amuses me from Mr. <laughs> Peanut. Good. <laughs> well, yeah. If you if you are listening, and you haven't got tickets. Get like two quid each, aren't they? Tickets. Yeah, that's all you've got to do. Just ridiculous. Let, let him know you've done it. We'll put your name in there, and he'll put you in yeah. the raffle. Good stuff. Um, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash tribute press or at tribute press on Twitter. Um, that we're in, we've just done the first week of Flesh and Ink, the story of a, um, an everyday comic company in the 1970s that is above a strip club and they may well come into the path of some Satanists in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so go and have a look at that. Don't worry about getting on it late because you can go back and read it all and every Friday we put a catch-up of all the pages up so which will catch you all the way up to the story. There's two tiers. You can read it digitally or you can pay... I think it's £2.99 and you get sent the comic every month, which we think is a pretty good deal. So That's good. Brilliant. Thanks. And, and again, I'm a Patreon follower and I've got to say, you Thank get you, mate. value. Why the early, do you get value? For it's any brilliant. of the uh, early adopters who, who are listening, um, I'll be putting a, a post out tomorrow morning just to say, send me your addresses and uh, you get a free and a thank you copy of George Mayhem just for being an early adopter of the uh, the thing. So just um, send me your address and I'll send you a copy of it. Fantastic. Good stuff, man. Brilliant episode. Look at us. This may be the longest episode ever we've done. 
Sorry. But uh, no, no, it's good. It's all good. Yeah. The um, we'll have a chat and um, maybe talk about doing another one in the future. Thanks, Dames. Thanks for having me back, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate.